0: This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards. If you're looking to unload your collection and maybe turn some of that old cardboard into cash, Greg Morris can help. Greg's always buying collections of vintage basketball, baseball, football, or hockey cards. If you have modern or ultra modern graded cards, he'll buy those as well. On top of all that, Greg takes cards on consignment. Go to gregmorriscards.com to sell them your cards, or you can email Joe at directly. What's up everyone, this is episode 150, yes that's right, I made it to 150, of the Wax Museum Podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards, from past to present to future. This is your host Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Podcast, and my Twitter is at WaxMuseumPC, and if you didn't see it, last week's guest, Randy aka at refs in the back, made a really awesome Twitter thread where he broke down our conversation. Um, He had timestamps. He added further commentary. He added links. Um, I think Tim from Pack to the Future podcast compared it to the x-ray feature that they have on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, I was very impressed by it. I, I think I need to get this guy to run my social media as well. You know, I'm lucky if I even get pictures of cards up, but If you enjoyed the conversation I have with Randy, I definitely encourage you to check that thread out. You can find it on his profile. And once again, that's at refs in the back on Twitter. Got a lot of good feedback about that episode, by the way. You guys really enjoyed hearing from Randy and and hearing about his collection. Um, And actually, speaking of Randy, I sent him some pictures this week of some refs in the background from the new hoop set. Yes, you heard me right. We finally have our first reel. 2021-22 basketball release and you know what that seems pretty newsworthy to me now i have to say my first exposure to the release was not a good experience so steve aka vintage pacers messaged me a picture of the new domana sabonis base card okay so you know i always like seeing the new pictures right and then followed that up with domas's card from last year's optic guess what Yes, they have the exact same picture. Um, You guys know that Panini's photo choices have already been a sore subject for me. So naturally, I posted that comparison pic on Instagram. um, And I made sure to mention in the caption, in all caps, that Hoops sucks. Um, You know, that's kind of my running gag, right? Now, truth be told, as I've said before, I do look forward to Hoops a little bit every year, even though it's not my favorite product. But I've got some friends that like it way, way more than I do. One of them being Jason, aka Small Town Cards on uh, Instagram, Small Town on Blowout. You've seen him before. So I'm going to dub him my official hoops correspondent. And I reached out to him this week because he's my hoops guy. And I said, hey, can you give me some real quick early impressions of the product that I could share with all the listeners on air? So he was kind enough to do that for me. He had six main things that he wanted to cover, six main thoughts about the early thoughts about the new Hoops release. Uh, Number one, he said, it's out, finally. Okay, short and sweet. Number two, he wrote, the design feels familiar, but still fresh. It's a bit reminiscent of early upper deck and collector's choice. And then the two-tone image on the back has a nice vintage feel, too. Now, um, I'm going to interject here. If you don't know what he's talking about there, go on eBay, look at the back of a hoops card from this year. It's got the player's face in a circle using a sort of um, black and white art style. I don't know, you know, he called it two-tone. I guess that would be the name for it. It's the same picture from the front of the card. You know, it's a pretty simple little, um, little change to implement, but it's something different at the same time. So I agree with him. I like that. Um, Alright, number three, he wrote, Road to the Finals is back. I miss that a lot. Uh, Number four is about autographs. He said, Hot Signatures and Rookie ink are the nicest sticker autos every year. Number five, he mentioned the Redbacks, and these are, of course, a staple of every Modern Hoops release. Um, He mentioned in his notes how well they work with the two-tone image. And then finally, he wanted to make a brief note about the 75th Anniversary Parallel. And, um, you know what, this is something I was hoping we'd get as well. I talked about this in a recent episode, or at least it feels recent when I talked about the NBA at 75. So, um, they did make a parallel numbered to 75. Now, the problem is, and this is something he mentioned to me as well, is that it's green and it it looks a little too Christmassy. Uh, You know, we already get the snow parallels and the, the holiday and all that stuff and the Christmas sweaters. Um... But you know what? It is what it is. So anyway, there you have it. I don't want any of you to say that Hoops never got any love on this show. Thanks again to Jason for piecing that list together for me real quick. Make sure to give him a follow. It's at SmallTownCards. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Chaz. You can find me on Twitter at PDXGraphin. I collect 9192 Skybox basketball cards signed in blue, sharpie preferably there's about 600 in the set i'm up to 457 signed cards i do have a list of the missing ones Uh, if you have any leads please get a hold of me and it would be much appreciated thank you i hope you're enjoying these collector classifieds that i've added in the last couple weeks i know i've been having a lot of fun with them um did you recognize that username if you didn't that was the collector that randy called his brother no law from last week's episode. I thought it might be cool to get him on the show too. Anyway, expect that little segment to continue throughout the year. I call it a segment, it's a really short, kind of like an ad read, Uh, but I'm hoping that eventually I can report some successes that come from it too, so it might turn into a segment, who knows? So stay tuned. Okay, on to the mail. And If I had to choose a theme for this week's mail, it would be deja vu, in a good way though. Um, both cards i received this week were duplicates but you know realistically labeling them as duplicates kind of it downplays their significance to me and that will make a lot more sense to you after you see what I got um so last week I talked a little bit about receiving a 2014 2015 flawless louis Dampier patch uh, it was the gold parallel and I mentioned that I had five patches of him from that year's flawless but that was my first gold copy well um you know after, who knows how long of a drought of even getting any damn pure patches. One of the silver copies numbered to 20 showed up on eBay not long after with a really stupid low buy it now. So um, it's kind of interesting then that I was able to add two in the span of just a couple weeks. So I believe this is my third copy numbered to 20 and I have all intentions of adding to that total in the future. If I can, it's one of those things where it's the same card, but it's not. You know, it's the same print run, but the patches are different. So they all feel like different cards to me. Okay. The final card that I got in the mail this week was a complete surprise. So I got an envelope from ship my cards in Arizona. And when I take, took it out of the mailbox, brought it inside, I sat there for a minute or two, trying to figure out what I had ordered. And, um, This is a problem that I've had before, just in general. I'll order stuff and then forget, which that's not a good problem. You want to be more intentional than that. So I just sat there for a few moments thinking, you know, what did I order? Um, The easy solution would have just been to open it on the spot. Well, eventually I did, and you can see that on my YouTube. But it contained a Cassius Stanley 2020-2021 Elite Status Parallel numbered one out of two. And I've talked a little about these parallels before, They've bounced around from product to product. I'm not equating them to the old credentials, but they're really the only thing we've gotten from Panini that um, kind of mimics that same mirrored numbering pattern. So um, back when the product originally came out, I was talking to someone that collects a lot of status stuff. His name is Chartree. You might know him better as Wade underscore Zoe on Instagram. And he mentioned to me that he wanted me to have the two to two two out of two parallel of... Um, Cassius Stanley, since I had chased those for Pacers previously and had hoped to do so again, like in 2018, I have Miles Turner 33 out of 33. Um, I, you know, kind of like collecting them that way. So um, he said, "Well, we both chase these cards, but you're the Pacers guy. You grab the two out of two. I'll just grab the one out of two if it ever shows up." And remember, this was back in September, so he actually saw the two out of two show up first and was gracious enough to send me the link and give me a chance to get it, which I did. I talked about that in episode 135. So he already did me one huge favor with this parallel. Um, Because to be honest, you know, I felt like the odds of the other one coming up for sale weren't all that great. So that was a risk that both of us knew um, and he was willing to take that on. So eventually though, things played out just as we both hoped they would. The one of two showed up for him in November and, and he got it for the same price. So we were both happy and happy for one another at the same time. So fast forward to this past week and a surprise package shows up with the one of two copy inside. Uh, I'm pretty shocked. You know, once I saw it, I knew it was from Chartre, and, and there was a note that confirmed, um, you know, that it was from him. And he wrote, Kyle, thanks for making my Thursday mornings with your great podcast and for all the things you do for the hobby. So needless to say, I I was pretty shocked by the gesture. He certainly didn't have to do that. I didn't expect him to do that. So Chartree, thank you once again. You played a huge role in acquiring both copies. And this is the first time I've owned an entire print run of a parallel, you know, save for one of ones, of course. I don't, that doesn't really count to me as an entire print run. Um, so I think this is pretty cool. I've got the one out of two and now I've got the two out of two. So if I don't have them up at the time of this recording, I'll make sure to post them up on my social media at some point so you guys can see them together. All right, before I move into today's main segment, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www waxmuseumpodcast.com. Click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey, this is Bob Nettelke, former Indiana Pacer. put on a few championship teams, had a lot of fun. You know, I listening to the Wax Museum Podcast, one of the best there is. Okay, so this past weekend, I set up at a smaller card show that I've never set up at before. You guys heard me mention that I was going to do that. Uh, my options for Florida card shows are changing a bit, so um, you know I wanted to try a new one out, and I knew this was a digging and quarter box and dollar box type show, so uh, when I was prepping, I tried to get that stuff ready more than anything else. I dusted off my dime box. I think I sold 30 or 40 cards out of that, maybe, so you know, is it worth lugging that heavy five row around? Mm, probably not. But at the same time, that 3 to $4 adds up when you do it multiple times. Um, I also made a couple of what I thought were awesome 50 cent basketball binders for guys like Tim Duncan, um, Shaq, Allen Iverson, Kevin Garnett. And that took a lot of time. I'm pretty sure I didn't sell a single card out of those. Um, and I felt like I left a lot of good dollar and $2 cards in there on purpose, too. Um, you know, it's funny. I can probably pull those out and p- put them in my dollar box and they'll move. It's just weird. You know, the things that people look in or the ways that, that people go about their purchasing. But it is what it is. Um, I guess I won't spend much time making binders like that in the future. Um, on the plus side, though, instead of making my LeBron and Kobe binders for this show... I decided to take that stuff to Twitter and I moved it in lots there and pretty easily, I might add. So that might be what ends up happening with Duncan and some of those other players too. Um, You know, I'm still trying different hobby experiences and I'm trying different things. So, um, you know, it's easy to do it in January when the goals have just been set, but I'm hoping that I can continue that as the year goes on as well. Uh, but anyway, as, as far as this um, show goes, I had one or two nice sales that made the day. So all in all, it was a positive experience. That's what I wanted. I wanted to make good experiences for myself. And I also picked up some stuff for the PC and some stuff I'll move in the future. You can see all that on my YouTube if you want to. Um, but while I was sitting there all day, right, and that's what you do, or standing a lot of the time at a show... Um, it got me thinking, and some of you mentioned wanting to go to a card show when you wrote out your 2022 hobby goals. Well, Seeing as I just spent the better part of a day at one, I figured I might be able to help, you know, optimize your experience. And I've talked about card shows plenty before, so I needed a theme for this discussion today or for this, you know, monologue here, whatever you want to call it. Um, I decided to go with five mistakes that buyers make at card shows. Now, when I shape an entire list around mistakes... I know that seems kind of negative, and that's what I thought at first when I wrote that. But really, I look at mistakes as great learning opportunities, and some of them we have to experience firsthand for it to really sink in. Uh, but in other cases, we can just learn from the mistakes of others. So that's what I want to draw from. Some of these are mistakes I've made, you know, probably all of them, to be honest, over the course of the years. And then some of, you know, some of this involves things I've realized from sitting on the other side of the table. Um, And then as always, I want to emphasize one thing here. I don't know everything about card shows. I'm not claiming to either. Um, I've been to quite a few of them in my area. I've been to a couple nationals, but at the end of the day, I'm just one dude. All of these points I'm going to share are realizations I've come to as a result of my own experience. So you might not agree 100%, or you you might have to adapt it a little bit to make it work on your own. Okay, so let's jump right in. The first mistake that a lot of people make When attending card shows is they don't actively engage with other people at the show. And I'm not talking about making small talk with dealers because, you know, everyone does that. What I mean is this. You walk in the doors, talk to the person handing out tickets. I know that sounds goofy, but yes, make that connection. You don't want to stay there long. You don't have to be their best friend, but make that connection. Ask them when the next show is. See if they have any other flyers for local shows. You know, see if they can help you out. See if they can get you more familiar with the card show scene because they're likely prepared to answer that question, okay? As you move into the room um, and you move to each table, feel each dealer out. If you can tell they don't want to talk, let them be. You know, still look through their stuff and just know, you know, they're probably not going to make a lot of money if they don't want to talk to people. But on the flip side, if you can tell they're chatty, start talking to them. Find a unique card in their case and ask them to tell you a little bit more about it. Um, I know some people are hesitant to start conversations because they're afraid they won't be able to get away from dealers. We've all had that dealer, if you've been to shows, that um, wants to talk your ear off. And I have dealers, I go to shows, they say the same thing to me every time, right? Um, Well, guess what? They're stuck behind the table and you're not. So you just say, hey, it was good chatting with you. I'm going to check out some of the other tables and make my way around. Simple as that. Um, If there are other customers digging in the same box as you, make sure you're not invading their space, but um, See if you can work with them. Ask them what they're looking for, you know, and you might be able to save some, you know, save some time, right? Oh, you're looking for hockey. I've been through that box. It's only in this back row. You'll want to focus on this row here, right? And use your discretion though. When you're talking to people and trying to engage with people, You don't want to butt in on the middle of a deal. You don't need to weigh in on trades that other people are making unless they ask you to use your common sense. But the key here is to engage, 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 engage. If you treat this as a solo event, it will become just that. Sometimes people don't want to be social. I get it. I've always been a bit of an introvert myself. Uh, But guess what? This is kind of a communal hobby. I mean, you are literally collecting pictures of people. So if you don't want to be social, but you want more little pictures of people, you're going to have some tough choices to make. Okay. Mistake number two that a lot of people make is that they don't plan enough time for their show experience. Now, I understand that people have lives and schedules outside of cards. If the options are either, you know, an hour at a show or no show at all, I'm still going to do my best to cram everything I can into that hour to optimize that hour. And then there are also going to be shows like The National that are the exception. You're probably not going to be able to get through every booth and every box there. But if you want to immerse yourself in the culture, it's going to require a time commitment. Think about all of the engagement I talked about in the previous point. These conversations are going to take a little bit of time. So hopefully you can multitask a little. You know, you'll get better as that as you get reps. And um, I can also tell you from experience. Most of my best finds are not prominently featured in the middle of a table or a a display case in plain sight. They're the cards that you really have to dig for. And guess what? That takes time, right? Digging takes time. So there are some ways to navigate around that though, and you'll pick up on that the more time you spend at a show. So in a way, that investment of time will also save you some more time later on. And that segues into mistake number three, which is the fact that many people judge a table Solely by what they see on the surface and I'll have baseball guys that walk over to my table And they see mostly basketball cards in the case and they assume that I don't have any baseball for them Well, I actually do have you know Not the ultra modern stuff, but I do have a nice little selection of baseball And stuff that you know what I don't comp it very often because it's in my little baseball box So if anything jumped recently um, Or if anything, you know has moved they're likely to get a really good deal but they just have to take the time to look for it. Um, And I generally look for dealers that I've never seen before and tables that look like an absolute mess, right? That's my approach whenever I'm hitting a local show. Um, I suppose I'm still judging a little bit by what I see on the surface because I'm judging by the mess that it's going to be successful. But you get what I'm saying here. I want the boxes that I know are going to take some work to go through because, you know, there are other people that don't have the time or the desire to do so. So I feel like that will make me a little more successful or gives me a better shot. Uh, that brings me to mistake number four then, which is that a lot of buyers won't vocalize what they're looking for. It's simple. If you're looking for something, ask for it. A seller knows their own inventory better than you do, and they know more than you can see. Um, it's funny just how much the landscape has changed over the last few years It used to be that some of the baseball guys wouldn't even put their basketball boxes on the table. You know, that space is valuable. They didn't want to waste it on stuff that no one was looking for. So as I would go around, I would ask them, do you have any basketball? Um, And a lot of times they'd say, yeah, I got this four row back here. If you want to look through it, that's fine. Um, And it turns out, you know, I would be the first person at that show to look through those boxes. So that was a nice little perk as well. Uh, Times have obviously changed, and a lot of basketball is front and center, but my approach about asking is still the same, especially when I see people that focus more on other sports. Do you have any basketball, or do you have any more basketball that you haven't set out yet? The worst they can do is say no. Okay, so I mentioned that the landscape has changed recently. Mistake number five is definitely a byproduct of some of those changes a lot of people bring their cards to trade or sell to dealers, but they won't assign any values on them up front. So they want to trade, but they're not really equipped to trade. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that people weren't trying to trade before, but it seems to me that it's become a lot more common, um, especially in the last six months or so. So I had someone come up to me recently who said he wanted to sell. So I'm thumbing through his stuff. And I picked out some cards I liked. I had a whole little stack. And I asked him, I said, you know, what do you want? Right? So I was going to let him start off. They're his cards. He can start off. And he said, feel free to blow me away with an offer. And I looked him dead in the eyes. You know, I'm not trying to be rude. But I said, that ain't going to happen. And uh, it turns out he wasn't so interested in moving them after all. And it felt like a waste of my time. Now, I'll still look in every box. I, I want to say that up front. I'll still look in every box. But... Um, You know, if you'll remember, I talked about the same situation last year, except I was on the other side. I was the trader that was wasting someone else's time. And I learned from that mistake. At least I'm trying to. I'm trying each time. I I don't want to be that guy. Don't be that guy. So if you want to move something, know what you have, know what you want, and come in with realistic expectations. You're dealing with someone that's there to make money. You didn't purchase a table. They have to make some money. Keep that in mind. All right, now there you have it. Um, I don't expect you to memorize these or anything. Like I said earlier, some might apply to you and some might not. Don't stress out about them. The most important thing to remember about going to shows is you'll want to have fun. And if this becomes a chore for you when it's supposed to be a hobby, it's probably a good sign you should stop or take a break. But once again, for reference sake, here are the five mistakes I talked about today. Number one, People don't actively engage with others at the show. Number two, people don't plan enough time for the show experience. Number three, people judge tables by what they see on the surface. Number four, people won't vocalize what they're looking for. And number five, people want to trade without streamlining the process first. So I limited my list to five. I know there are a ton more. Some of you probably have some you'd like to share feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under the handle @waxmuseumpc. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again,